everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. A testimony of your story for His glory. Last week you heard the compelling and inspiring story of one man's journey to faith in Jesus Christ, his ultimate decision to serve Christ solely as a priest for life, and his decision early on to be a defender of all life and at all costs. But is it working? And is America listening? With over 60 million aborted babies to date, gruesome and unimaginable videos exposing the selling of fetal baby parts by Planned Parenthood, and just recently, legislation shot down that would have preserved life after a botched abortion. What has our nation, our people, and this world come to? And how can we stop it? Here to talk about this and more in his latest must-read, Abolishing Abortion, How You Can Play a Part in Ending the Greatest Evil of Our Day, is President of the National Pro-Life Religious Council, National Director of Priests for Life, author, activist, and so much more, an honor indeed, Reverend Frank Pavone. Father Pavone, welcome back to Testimony. Hi, Jensine. How you doing? <laughs> well, it's great to have you back. I'm doing great. Your latest great read, Abolishing Abortion, has been endorsed by some of this nation's greatest proponents of life, liberty, and justice for all lives. Governor Sam Brownback of Kansas, former governor of Arkansas, Mike Huckabee, Rick Santorum, former U.S. Senator, Pennsylvania, Jim Daly, president of Focus on the Family, and Dr. Alveda King, director of African American Outreach, Priests for Life, Fox News contributor and niece of slain civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr., just to name a few. Now, you also mentioned, Father Pravone, Heroes of the Faith and Perseverance, I might add, in your book, Martin Luther King Jr., William Wilberforce, Mother Teresa, whom you knew and visited in Calcutta after her famous speech at the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C., 1994, and I quote from your book, quote, I feel the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion because it is a war against the child, a direct killing of the innocent child, murder by the mother herself. And if we can accept that a mother can kill even her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? You go on to comment, and I quote, Her argument was so powerful, there could be no rebuttal. You further state, Father Pravone, in your book, the opposition tries to keep those who are pro-life out of the public square, precisely for this reason. They know that if they let us in, they lose. Reverend Pavone, with the above said, and in your opinion, how effective were Pope Francis's words during his historic U.S. visit in defense of life? Well, I, I've had the privilege also to know Pope Francis uh, with the work that I do at the Vatican. I've been privileged to meet with him five times to talk about pro-life issues. 
and uh, I knew that his visit to the United States would be something something very, very special, it's just because he loves to connect with the people, he loves to speak in very direct and simple ways. And he had a real variety, didn't he, of, of very, very formal events, the address to Congress and to the United Nations, for instance, and very, very informal, fun events, like the festival with families uh, there in Philadelphia. But in all those instances, he made something uh, very clear, that our love for God goes hand in hand, is inseparable with a concern for those who suffer. And whenever he talks about a concern for those who suffer, he mentions a wide range of people. He may speak about, about the poor, he may speak about those who are, who are immigrants, those who are, uh, who are ill, uh, and he'll speak about the unborn children as well. One of the powerful aspects, therefore, of his message is precisely that he interrelates all these issues. He says, you know, you can't, and his predecessors, of course, have said the same thing, you can't get up and start speaking about human rights and claim to protect the vulnerable, as many do, without also speaking up for the most vulnerable, who are the children in the womb. And that's a very simple message, and it's a very strong point I make in my new book, that, that this, this separation, this blind spot, that would, that would have us stand up for human rights, and yet would eclipse the most fundamental right, the right to life, is intolerable. We can't, we can't allow that disjunction anymore. We've got to address it, we've got to be consistent, and we've got to start rallying around those who are the most defenseless. If anyone listens to what Pope Francis said, and watches what he did, uh, they'll begin to hear that message, and then we can only pray that the Holy Spirit moves them to accept it. In your book, you advocate supporting President Bush because of his pro-life stance. What do you say then to supporters of now President Barack Obama? Do they need to repent for putting a pro-abortion president in office? Can you elaborate? Well, I quote President Obama in the book. I was there at, at the University of Notre Dame when he gave that controversial address in 2009 at their commencement ceremony where he was given an honorary doctorate of law. And the controversy arose from the fact that his policies and his rhetoric are very, very much in favor of legal abortion. And so here he is being honored at a Catholic institution, which by definition is a community of believers against abortion. So this created quite a stir. And I was there because students from the senior class who did not want to honor President Obama uh, asked me to lead them in an alternate commencement ceremony, and the, the, the university actually gave permission for that, and so we had it on the other end of the campus. And ironically, what the president said in his, uh, in his address that day was, well, you know, we have to be, uh, be attentive to the golden rule. We have to treat others the way we would want to be treated. And, uh, and then he made reference to um, segregation and how, how good it was that our country ultimately rejected segregation, and of course we can all say amen to, to that. But then I raised the question, again, why the blind spot to the unborn? If we're, if, we're, if we're subject to the golden rule, why can't we treat the unborn the way we would want to be treated instead of letting them be dismembered? Uh, if, we're, if we're happy, as we should be, that our African-American brothers and sisters, including the president, uh, have been given equal protection under the law, why can't we advocate for equal protection under the law for the unborn? So what I would say to supporters of President Obama is, listen, there's a lot of good things to support, uh, but challenge him on this. Why the, why the disconnect? Why the blind spot? Challenge him on this and say, hey, what about some equality 
for the unborn children. Father Pravon, you seem to be a student of the word as well as the legalities that go along with your fight to end abortion. In your view, is there a legal recourse to reverse Roe versus Wade? And if not, why not? Well, we have in the reversal of Roe versus Wade two things going on. We have the process of the law, and then we have the process of human experience. Um, and, 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 and both, by the way, are also informed by the pro- progress of science. Uh, but yes, there are there is legal there is legal recourse, uh, and and in fact, legal recourse has been uh, set in motion by many laws that have been passed on the state level, which could theoretically reach the Supreme Court. For example, there has been a law passed in a number of states whereby the abortionist has to inform the mother getting the procedure that this procedure is going to destroy a whole separate, unique, living human being. Well, that's pretty. That's pretty strong language. It's written into the law, and that's language that contradicts what Roe versus Wade said when they said, well, we're not sure if it's a human being. And uh, if these kinds of decisions percolate up through the court system, they provide the raw material for, for potentially reversing it. But at the same time, it also depends on the people in those positions of power being open to the truth. And, and that's where we, we also have to look at the progress of human experience, because uh, it, it's not only the legal arguments, it's looking honestly at, gee, is abortion a good thing for our nation or not? Is it a good thing for the women uh, and the men whose children have been aborted? Is it a good thing for families? Uh, and, and experience is telling us no. Above and beyond any of the technical arguments, experience is telling us no. And I, I point out in my book that, that one of the privileges uh, 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 that I have is to be involved in this campaign, worldwide campaign, called Silent No More, by which the people who've had abortions are speaking out, and they're talking about how devastating it, it has been for them and for their families. The more we hear those voices, I think the more sanity we can start to restore to the law, because even people who are claiming you know, uh, beyond the evidence that this is truly is a child, those who are claiming, oh, but this is good for women, they need to hear the voices of these women who are now saying, I regret my abortion. So we could end up either reversing Roe v. Wade through the courts, or we may end up in a situation where the courts never really technically reverse it, but it becomes obsolete because people realize it's, abortion is such a bad idea and such a devastating action. Exactly. Well, I notice words in your book, fearless, transparency, integrity. Can you elaborate how those words affect the way you do your ministry, Priest for Life, and what Priest for Life has accomplished to affect real change since you've been involved? Well, one of the things we, we do have to be is, is we have to strive to be fearless. We have to be courageous. Because as I point out, very often the biggest obstacles in the way to restoring protection to these little children are not Planned Parenthood or the Obama administration or, or, or the abortion industry. They're the obstacles inside ourselves. We doubt, we question, we're afraid of sacrifice. And I point out that whether it's the apostles who are proclaiming Christ in the Acts of the Apostles, or whether it's our founding fathers establishing America on a, on, on a recognition of the right to life, these people made progress only because they were willing to sacrifice themselves completely. They'll give their lives if necessary. Uh, and that's where, you know, that's where we need to be at this present moment. Now, Priests for Life has succeeded in, in, in really raising a lot of awareness 
within the Christian world and especially within the Catholic community to the urgent priority of of ending abortion. We've uh, been uh, therefore active politically. We've had an influence uh, on various uh, national elections. Uh, we have had an influence on the clergy and, and been able to really uh, increase the amount of resources available uh, to uh, to clergy of all denominations for preaching on this uh, on this topic, uh, and we've been able to mobilize the world's largest ministry for healing the wounds of abortion. And when you heal the wounds of abortion, you're also saving lives because half the abortions in America are repeat abortions. And repeat abortions wouldn't happen so frequently if a person who had uh, an abortion found some some healing and reconciliation and wholeness which can only come uh, through the grace of Christ, uh, through the blood of Christ. Um, and, but once it does come, then they are stronger to resist the temptation to, uh, to have another abortion. So all of this has been part of our, of our track record, and we're uh, just graced by God to be able to do this work. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to internationally acclaimed pro-life activist, priest, author, president of the National Pro-Life Religious Council, and national director of Priests for Life, Father Frank Pavone. You can learn more about Father Frank's work and get his latest must-read, Abolishing Abortion, by going to priestsforlife.org and get involved in the fight for life. Father Pavone, your incredible work on behalf of life at every stage of life is world-renowned. Martin Luther King Jr., William Wilberforce, and Mother Teresa, all of whom you pay homage in your book, were bold in their stance for civil and human rights of every kind. You, sir, are no less the advocate, and we are truly grateful. Thank you, and God bless you. God bless you, too. Thank you. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensenbard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D dot com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.